Everybody and welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest, a show where the comic that runs for over 20 years does not have nothing happen. And today we've got a very conclusory episode. We've got a lot of things wrapping up today. But before we get into that, why don't I introduce uh, today's guest, uh, my good friend Berries and Cream, a very fantastic artist who you should definitely commission and give your money to. Give me all of your money. Let me hoard it under my bed like a dragon. Absolutely. So, in the pre-show, we just talked a, a little bit about uh, the previous episodes and what's been going on. Because Barry has absolutely no context to what's going on. I have literally plucked her from her daily life to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Barry, how do you feel about the situation you're in right now? I wish I was dead. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, on that note, uh, we're just gonna head right into our first comic, Sonic the Hedgehog number 64. We start off, we open, with Sonic and Tails are at the South Pole, standing in front of this castle that they have no idea about, that's not on any of their maps. They see, they were, they got there because they tracked Nogus, thanks to, uh, a tracker that Uncle Chuck built, long story short. And their plane stopped because the cold air caused the power ring, caused the plane to stall. And Tails freaking out because they're basically stranded there. Sonic monologues about how they got there in the first place. Nagus was freed from the get-go. He tried to take over Mobotropolis. And they now have the need to chase Nagus around the world. Meanwhile, a satellite activates in space. This is the second one counting from the last episode. And we see a hand push a button. Keep that in the back of your mind. That's going to be important in the future. But back on the surface, Sonic and Tails get attacked by a hand shaped from the snow. We see Nogus revealed with him saying that he can form himself out of the four classic elements, water, fire, earth, and air, to sort of transfer himself. And uh, this is another aspect of the story of uh, b- powers being uh, created as they're needed, Barry. You know, it's not... It's not the best in my opinion, but you know what? It's needed. We'll go along with it. At a certain point, you just learn to stop asking questions. Uh, that's a bad... That, we're going to fix that. We're going to fix that. They fight. Sonic spin dashes through Nagus, but since his form was held together by snow, uh, he just goes right past him and Sonic loses traction, dangling off a cliffside. But then, this uh, abominable snowbot, as it's called freezes tails and catches sonic off guard right then and there an earthquake hits everyone's caught off guard and an avalanche occurs with sonic and tails knocked out it ta- the snowbot is taken to the castle and in them drops in front of this overlander who lives sonic wakes up startled with the overlander looking over him saying Jules, is that really you after all these years? Out of the fire that comes from this snowbot's arm, uh, Nagus reveals himself, saying that, yep, I was able to hide myself in this robotic arm's flamethrower, and now uh, I'm going to do some damage. 
Okay, so first question. Jules. Jules. Would you? Would you? Are you asking me if Jules is a DILF? Yes. Like, you... Like, you're going over to Sonic's house. You want to go and hang out with him. He's not there. He'll be home in, like, half an hour. He... uh, Sonic's dad opens the door. He's right there. He invites you in with a sultry look in his eye. Do you take him up on the offer? See, that's difficult. Because he's also, like, a robot. It's a long story, but... Still. He's a robot, so, like... You can't, you're going to have to be in for a little bit of some, into mm-hmm. some freaky stuff if you're willing to take him up on that offer. I'm asking you I was not, I'm asking you this question right now. You need to answer. No. I'm looking at you. I can see your face right now and I can see the absolute joy in your eyes and I know <laughs> no. You might be you might be saying no but your heart is saying yes. Shut the fuck up. So, that's the first story of this comic. We have a secondary story. Uh, ta- here's the situation. So Sally walks into the palace looking for her dad. And she tries to confront him uh, over a lot of different things. But basically he kind of just says like, hey, be quiet. We have, diff- we have a situation here. King Max sends Sally off and uh, goes to talk to Jeffrey and his team. Uh, his team comprising of uh, Hershey, his girlfriend, Valdez, a chameleon, uh, Wombat Stu, who they just plucked from his daily life in uh, Down Under, and Heavy and Bomb about the next top secret mission that they're going to take on. He tells of the time of during Robotnik's coup. The king ordered Jeffrey's father to send the queen to the knothole bunkers for safety, but since they were cut off from them due to, due to the mistake and everything going on, the second best option was to escort the queen and the boy to the royal residence on the floating island, but their convoy was attacked over the floating island and all contact was lost. Their mission? Find out what happened to Queen Alicia. And that's Sonic number 64. Okay. They're setting things up. They really are. So can you tell me what they are setting up? Answers is what they're sending up to, which we'll get to in this episode, I promise. We'll get answers. Okay, okay. So on that note, Sonic the Hedgehog number 65. We open with uh, Nagus. After he stowed away in the firearm, he got around... To get around Nate's defenses, he attacks Sonic and Tails specifically by literally suffocating them, like removing air from their lungs. Nate acts in kind by... Throwing a power ring into his mirror, which Nagus reacts to and follows it, freeing the three of them. But uh, the ring was a fake, and Ixis is now stranded outside, uh, with trying to find a way to get back in. While Sonic praises this overlander, who introduces himself as Nate Morgan. Sonic introduces himself, saying that, oh, I'm Jules' son. Tails introduces himself, and also apologizes for thinking that they're... Snowbot friend, who we now learn is named Eddie, was on Nagus' side. Nate says, it's all good, don't worry about it. But Sonic asks, hey, what are you doing all the way out here? Especially you being an overlander. Uh, And Nate decides to sit them down and tells them the story. As a young man, he was a geophysician working in the underground city of Megabolus. And he discovered a power source which could have replaced fossil fuel. The power ring. 
His assistant at the time, Julian Kintober of the House of Ivo, insisted he use his calibrations to run the tests. He did so, but caused an explosion in the process. Nate, being the head researcher, was fully blamed for the incident, but since no one was killed, he was just merely exiled, and wandered Mobius for a good amount of years until he encountered the Kingdom of Acorn and its leader, King Frederick Acorn, Sally's grandfather. Nate was fully accepted as a member of Mobian society despite the conflicts between their races and even became part of the royal court. He continued his research into the Power Rings using the kingdom's Chaos Emerald to deliver them a clean energy source which propelled their society into a technological age. And as Nate grew older, he saw the coronation of King Max and taught at the local university, including having Jules and Chuck, Sonic's father and uncle, as students. Nagus and Kodos, who was King Max's war minister, distrusted Morgan because he was an overlander and couldn't convince the king of their line of thought. So they decided to uh, point some fingers and came up with a plan. Encounter a straggling group of overlander ground troops, fight them, and blame Morgan for, quote, revealing the kingdom's location to them. Kodos and Nate were the only survivors of that skirmish. No one else to back him up on. The king was torn. Because he grew up with this man, Barry. He could not mm-hmm. dare to think that he was a traitor. So to spare him the heartache, Nate exiled himself, dropping the ring forge that he built into a nearby lake. When he got to the South Pole, that's where he met Eddie. He was half crushed by an avalanche and rescued him and gave him cybernetic limbs to replace the damaged ones. And ultimately, the reason why Nagus wants to go after Nate so badly. He shows Sonic and Tails, which is a seemingly infinite supply of power rings. And that's where that one story gets off. We have another story, but uh, you got any questions, Barry? Um, I'm following, I'm following. All right, all right. So the secondary story, uh, Amy, uh, Amy Rose, focusing on her this time for once, She found a book that her dragon friend Dulcie is interested in. They both look into it to find a story writer, a Great Dane Mobian by the name of Kirby. Robotnik, Mm -hmm. they think, trashed a lot of books in the library when he took over, but Amy wants to make sure they're not all totally gone. They fly to the Mobotropolis library to find a still-complete collection of Kirby books, but as they're pulling them out, they hear a door creaking, and... Keep in mind, this is an abandoned building. They panic and run away. And as they leave, a shadowed figure behind a fake door calls out for no one to respond to them. And that's the end of Sonic 65. And just to spare you the questions, we will not get a resolution to this this episode. Okay, okay. We move on to Sonic number 66. Upon seeing the power rings, Sonic tries to reach out for one, but is stopped by Eddie saying that outsiders need not handle these rings that Nate himself forged, despite Sonic for offering Nate to move back to Mobotropolis with his rings, but he refuses. Nagus then moves himself through the Earth to enter the Power Ring Chamber, cuts off Sonic from Eddie and Nate, demanding that he has the Power Rings for himself. Nate and Eddie hear rumbling on the other side of the wall, and they overlook to see that there are no more power rings. 
now absorbed into Sonic and Tails in a super-powered state. Hyper Tails and Ultra Sonic. Hyper Tails we saw from uh, the game, but Ultra Sonic is a completely new uh, super state. Normally, they, he would need the Chaos Emeralds for something like that, but after absorbing, what, tens of thousands of power rings, he's supercharged. The man's juiced up, Barry. So, how did you get into Sonic, or have you talked about that before? Uh, it's just something I've, like, in, been uh, into when I was a child, and it just never stopped following me since. I still have nightmares, Barry. Describe me one of those nightmares. Make it as entertaining as possible, please. Uh, I woke up once in a cold sweat, uh, not being able to get the new Sonic game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's all I could remember as I was a child, you know? Did you ever run over anybody with your car because of Sonic? No, can't say that I have. You're not a Sonic fan then, sorry. Shit, man. Uh, you have uh, to at least run over one GameStop employee in your entire life, come on. Yeah, I guess better. I haven't earned my badge of honor yet. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll win the war one day. I will. Now we cut back to, uh, we also see Nogus in the same scene, who also absorbed some power rings. He empowered himself to force open a portal into the zone of silence but is distracted by Sonic. Nagus fires lasers from his eyes as Sonic blocks it by transmutating the air in front of him into ice as a shield. Nagus begins to spill the zone of silence into the main reality, with Hypertail sending his superpowered flickies in to attack Nagus. Nagus flings Tails into uh, Nagus flings Nate into Tails' arms as Sonic protects himself from boiling water by creating an earth shield. Nagus then recalls during this fight how he originally entered the Zone of Science in the first place and met Faust, its creator god, a giant panda. Yeah. And all the while he's monologuing to himself, he flings Nate towards a wall, Tails catches him, but then at this moment, Sonic and Tails burn themselves out as the ring energy depletes and they're passed out cold. Unfortunately, Nagus is still raging powerfully and, quote, goes to tie up a loose end and attacks Nate, but Nate is able to fight him off by moving a laser from his eyeglasses into his line of sight and blasts him. Nagus is now done and dusted, defeated. But unfortunately, the building has lost its structure. Eddie is holding up a boulder, telling Nate to escape. Sonic wakes up, spin dashes a boulder that's blocking the exit, and escapes with Nate. He tries to go back in for Eddie, but his last words are, Nate, go. Okay, so when does Bartleby with a fat ass coming in? And when is Sonic getting a peanut butter jelly ass? Like, that's all I that's care an, about. Unfortunately, that's not part of this canon. Which canon is? Is it a part of, like, the next uh, next episode? Was it the previous episode? Did I just uh, skip over it? Uh, Something will be coming up in the future, Barry. Uh, I'll I'll leave you that much. I promise. I promise. I promise. This boulder collapses. The shockwave sends Sonic and Tails tumbling down the mountain. The three sitting out in the cold. That's the end of this story. Now, real quickly, the secondary story is uh, the untold story of Ixis Nagus, something that we are all dying to know about. So I'll just go over this as fast as possible. Three sorcerers looking into a window to try to learn history, uh, forgotten history, about uh, Mobius. 
They are not successful, but these three wizards all command powers of a different element, water, earth, or air. Their goal right now is to attain the power of fire, but all of them are a little tricky. They all want the power for themselves. So their mission, to leave their chamber, fly into the air to try to absorb the power of fire from the sun. The three of them are fighting over while they're basically flinging themselves into the sun. All saying that if we fail here, the entire order of Ixis goes. Then over the night sky, a young Max with his parents sees a falling star. And the next morning, the family opened the dining hall to see a figure calling himself Ixis Nagus, a wizard offering his services to send the kingdom of Acorn into a golden age. That's nice. the end of Sonic number 66. I have a question. Yes. So is the peanut butter Sonic thing, peanut butter and jelly Sonic butt, happening in uh, Sonic 69? Uh, we will find out. We'll find out. I feel like that's what's going to happen in 69. I feel like uh, I feel like that's the only logical conclusion. You know Where what? else would it be? You know what? I can't disagree with that. While, while we wait. For Sonic number 69, we'll go to Sonic number 67, where we open with Sonic, Tails, and Morgan now beginning their trek back to Mobotropolis after the defeat of Nagus. And uh, also for the record, Sonic has like this like little explorer, Indiana Jones-like outfit. It's, it's very, it's cute. It's adorable. You, know, you love to see it. Mm-hmm. On the way back, they explore this temple that they found. Sonic goes in because they need to get a new power source for their plane as they're ring is running low and it's not enough to get back home sonic dodges traps spikes crushing walls and the like as a third satellite becomes operational over mobius so sonic then enters a room and finds a power ring not just any power ring though the ring of acorns which uh is for those that have been following it's literally the last lingering plot thread from the last arc so we got that covered Indiana Jones style, Sonic takes the ring, swaps it with their old one, but uh, the trap activates regardless. This trap being a mutant snake comes out from under the ground, quote, created during the forbidden wars of Mobius' past. Sonic entraps it by tying it into a knot, escaping the temple, charging through Robians that were surrounding the temple. Sonic heads back as Tails is talking to Nate, who reveals that he was the one who created the Ring of Acorns and also hid it in that temple, and that originally that was there was a legendary Super Emerald, which he used to create the rings in the first place. Sonic jumps back into the plane. Nate says in order to activate the ring, just make a wish. And Sonic wishes that they were on their way back home. The ring turbo boosts the engines and they're on their way. And to finish us off, we have still a secondary story Uh, focusing on the wolf pack and the leader, Lupe. Long story short, Lupe's leaving Mobotropolis with the wolf pack. Sally's trying to convince her to stay. Unconvinced, they leave. As Bunny comes in asking her to help plan the welcome home party for Sonic and Tails, the wolf pack are seen walking away, showing disdain for how Mobotropolis exists and how these Mobians can live. They march through the sea, get on life rafts, dredge the ocean, and land in unfamiliar territory, and that's the end of Sonic number 67. We're a lot, we're having a lot of setups here, but uh, it's all going to pay off one way or another. 
on that note, uh, Barry, do you like nonsense? Do you like ridiculousness? Do you like stupid things? I like chaotic energy. Perfect, because that's exactly what this next set of comics is going to give us. I like chaos, or I like to start chaos. And that's perfect, because, uh, have you ever heard, have you ever heard whispers in the night about, uh, a man named Ken Penders? Nope. Nope? Not even, not a one. Not a one? Not a one? Well, he's a bit infamous in the Sonic community, as he is the writer in this era for the Sonic comics, known for his, uh, convoluted lore dumps. Oh, so now's, now's when it's gonna get, uh, convoluted? Oh, is that, yes. Is it gonna be... Okay. Our next comic, Knuckles number 19, dubbed the Forbidden Zone Trilogy, or Whatever Happened to Queen Alicia. So, Barry, Ken Penders, so you know, is a man of nonsense, and a man of... who really believes in his convictions, and really believes that what he's writing is just pure, unadulterated art. He... You don't think so? Well... That's pretty rude. I, I think he has his moments. I, I genuinely do. I'm being serious. I do think there are some times when he hits. And when he hits, it's like, you know what? Yeah, th- I'll give you credit where credit is due. However, more often than not, he misses. And when he misses, it's laughable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, sometimes things just speak for themselves. We have we have hours worth of content explaining why that is. You can all refer to the last episodes, because this is the 19th Knuckles comic, and this is not even his first uh, run beforehand. We are inundated. We're de- we are chest deep into Ken Pender's territory, Barry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With that being said, we open on a plane. Antoine piloting and Jeffrey commanding. Despite the bad weather, Jeffrey and his team parachute down onto the floating island, covered in snow, and move out onto the ground. They get their bearings and make their way to the royal compound. As Locke looks on from his monitors, as Saber walks in to check on him and says, We may be heading from the frying pan and into the fire once again. Uh, Locke points to Jeffrey and recognize him as uh, the Acorn Royal Guard member. He IDs him as Jeffrey St. John, the son of Ian St. John, the commander before him. Saber says that them being here is a problem in and of itself, and quote, if the Overlanders get wind of this, they may think we've gone back on our word. Locke says that, hey, this is a situation that goes beyond that, and since Knuckles doesn't only concern himself with affairs at the floated island, he probably thinks he's the first guardian to involve himself with all of Mobius. And then, we then they see on their monitors an Echidna Cop hover crash crash landed nearby, and out walks Laura Lee, Knuckles' mom and Locke's, S- Locke's ex-wife. That's a nice name. Yeah, just so you know, all of the Echidna uh, women names are hyper are hyphenated like Kryptonians. Okay. Laura Lee walks out. Uh, Locke is pissed and goes out to, quote, have a few choice words for her. As Locke walks out, Saber tries to contact uh, Remington, who's the chief of police. As we see, Knuckles and Julie Sue goes to his mom's apartment for shelter from the snow. Before walking in, he sees something on the ground, digs in, and sees a person, delirious, calling out for her baby. 
Julie Sue calls for an ambulance as Knuckles rushes in to find the baby. He goes inside her apartment, finds the baby's crib, thankfully still moving, but says, but Knuckles says that, uh, something smells. Meanwhile, Windmacer, who is Laura Lee's partner, is visited by Remington, telling him that her hovercraft was down by the snowstorm and offered him to be part of the rescue mission. Quickly upsets and gets ready to go. Meanwhile, Jeffrey and his team are walking in the snow, finds a building, all while complaining about the snow, thinking that this may be a long-term effect of Robotnik's pollution. Meanwhile, Locke finds Laura Lee's hovercraft, finds her shivering, and wakes her up in a, quite frankly, a pretty rude way. Kind of slaps her around a little bit to try to get her bearing. Hey, maybe she likes it. Well, she definitely doesn't, I'll tell you that much. And Laura Lee is a little surprised to see him, with Locke saying, Here I am, all concerned about you, and here you are on the defensive. Which, if that's how he treats his women, I can see why they are exes. We shift to the Echidna police to find Knuckles. He hands over the baby as they are taking the mother in, and Remington picks them up to go find Laura Lee. Knuckles is told about why his mom is gone missing, and asks where she went. And there's a slight pause until Remington bursts out to find that she went to the Forbidden Zone. And Barry, I don't think I need to explain why uh, a name called the Forbidden Zone is explicitly forbidden. I I believe you can just fill in the blanks, Barry. You're a smart person. I'm guessing she was trying to spice it up with her boyfriend. Hey, hey, hey. Sometimes you just need a little bit of excitement in life. I'm I'm not judging. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Knuckles asks why, wondering why she would need to go there, and Remington says she went to meet with his father. Keep in mind, Knuckles thought that his father was dead for probably 10 years of his life now. So this is the first instance, the first suggestion even, that Knuckles' dad might still be alive. Meanwhile... In Haven, the uh, headquarters of the Brotherhood of the Guardians, another Guardian walks in asking for Locke, with Saber said he's out dealing with Laura Lee's distress call. And then we move to see Jeffrey's team finding the compound. Walk in, find it habitated, but Jeffrey recognizes her as Mrs. Somersby. Her husband walking in asking what the problem is, only being referred to as the Colonel. Jeffrey says, hey, hold on, uh, don't attack us, you may know my father better, Ian St. John, to which the colonel says, yes, the family resemblance is strong. He says his mission, find information about the disappearance of Queen Alicia and starting at this compound. Then Jeffrey is surprised as someone walks out saying, quote, did someone mention my mother? And that's the end of Knuckles number 19. Now, Barry... I just gave you an info dump's worth of uh, information. And unfortunately, that's all the Knuckles comics are. Info dumps of information. Okay, so I feel like I just felt my chromosomes multiply. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm starting, I'm starting to see. Yes. You're starting to I'm see. Drawing, You're... I'm going to draw Sonic OC right now. Perfect. Original character, please don't steal. We are going to dive right in to Knuckles number 20. And we open with this flashback 
Laura Lee is packing a suitcase saying that she that she and Locke just can't communicate with each other and wants to leave and demands to take Knuckles with her. Quote, what kind of childhood is that for him? Locke responds saying, hey, I can't make you stay, but you knew of Knuckles' obligations from before he was even born, so he stays. In the present, Laura Lee says Locke hasn't changed one bit, always having it his own way. With Locke saying, you're wrong, and did you even know me? And then forces a kiss on her. Sexual harassment. What was she wearing? Uh, normal clothes that normal people would wear, Barry. Almost got you. I set up a trap. I set up a trap and you sniffed around it and decided to go the other way. I was just going to say, it's just like, ooh. There's uh, hope for you yet. We now move to Jeffrey's point of view. We see the unknown person calling himself Elias. Jeffrey says he is the spitting image of King Acorn with Elias saying, Oh, wait, you know my dad? He's alive? Jeffrey takes aback, says, hold, hold, stop it. The king never mentioned a son. We came here to learn about the missing queen. I can't accept your claim as the king's son. The colonel steps in and gives his word that he is the true heir of the house of Acorn. Jeffrey's not convinced. Elias says that Jeffrey may be an instrument set here to separate fact from fiction. He sends the team to Haven in the morning when the weather is cleared up to find answers. Meanwhile, Remington and Knuckles find the ship that Laura Lee was on. Knuckles steps down to try to find his mom, but she's nowhere in the ship. Meanwhile, we then see Laura Lee with Locke flying in his craft, talking about the way she left. They flash back. Locke tells Laura Lee that he's taking Knuckles back to the floating island as it's time to begin his training. Laura Lee asks why. As far as she knew, the floating island is a desolate wasteland, and Locke says, Hey, babe, d don't worry about it. The my forefathers worked long and hard to reclaim that land, and Locke has been called to Haven. Laura Lee doesn't really understand, with Locke says that you don't need to, and I have a part to play, as does Knuckles. And as they're leaving, Laura Lee asks herself, Why didn't you mention any of this before? We move back to the present. They're at the edge of the Forbidden Zone, and Locke isn't receiving anything from communication, maybe weather interference, who knows. Then we cut back to Jeffrey's point of view. Elias puts a stone on a rod as Jeffrey interrupts. He says it's a homing rod that his father gave his mother, just in case, so Alicia could call for help. Jeffrey doesn't trust the story, but the artifact is legit as far as he knows. Elias says an echidna named Saber gave it to him, but he doesn't know where he got it from. They walk into the kitchen and shows the colonel what they have, and he's legitimately shocked to see this. To which the colonel says, alright boys, sit down, I got a story to tell you. Flashback to uh, Robotnik's coup, when the king was sending the queen and uh, Elias away. He and Ian St. Jod prepared a transport to send the Queen and the Prince away, as the princess is in Knothole, and the existence of the lineage of the House of Acorn is a wartime secret anyway, so they don't have to worry about that much. The flight is mostly smooth until their shuttle is hit by overlanders, direct hit to the engines, and crash lands. 
The colonel wakes up in a daze, walks around aimlessly, and admits that it was years before he found the prince alive. Jeffrey asks how did he survive, and Elias says that he would never reveal their secrets, but if they come with him, I'll take you to the Brotherhood. A craft takes off, with Remington following the coordinates Knuckles found. And Knuckles angrily berates Remington because he's feeling that Remington, quote, is withholding something every time I talk to you, like knowing my mother took off to the Forbidden Zone, for instance. And you know what, Barry? That is actually a legitimate cause of concern because your dad goes out to get a pack of cigarettes, your woman, and your and your mom just goes to the Forbidden Zone. I get it. No, Same thing. Not even that. What I'm talking about is the fact that Knuckles is literally a passive observer for his own comics. And you know what? I've I've said that before on this podcast about these comics, but goddamn, it is really just railing in right now. Knuckles is just here. In fact, the last set of Knuckles comics that I covered, Knuckles wasn't even a focus. He only showed up, I kid you not, twice in three comics. That bear his name. Like, what am I supposed to do about that? If I, like, it says a knuckle, this is Knuckles the Echidna, Barry. I came here for Knuckles, and Knuckles isn't even here. Knuckles isn't doing nothing. These are just lore dumps. <laughs> I am so mad. I am so mad. <laughs> for everybody that is in the audio audience, he is shirtless and very sweaty. I mean, he's honestly right now, I'm a little scared because he's like, okay, so he's shirtless, he's sweaty, and he's like rubbing his nipples. <laughs> All right, I'm cutting that out, Barry. Come on, man. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> that was funny, though. Thank you. <laughs> right then and there, as Knuckles is ranting as I just did, uh, lightning hits the craft and is downed. Meanwhile, Laura Lee and Locke are flying, complaining about the weather, and Laura Lee berates him for not studying the tomes, which is basically echidna religion. Long story short, she talks about this being part of the Days of Fury, and that this was the main reason why she was looking for Locke. But in reality, a, another reason was mainly because she wanted to talk shit on him for raising Knuckles wrong, but that has to wait because they see Jeffrey and his team being sweeped up by a flood. Jeffrey freaks out, but Elias is pretty calm, saying, hey man, as long as we got the scepter, we have nothing to fear. Meanwhile, Knuckles waits up, everyone's knocked out, and walks out onto the ship, recognizes the place as the area where he last saw his father, as he just kept walking on and on, into the Forbidden Zone. We then see Knuckles flash a heat all around him, and on one side disappears, and on the other is on the floor of Haven, with a bunch of guardians surrounding him. And that's the end of Knuckles number 20. So, for the first time, we are 20, we're gonna be 21 comics into this series, for Knuckles at least. And things will finally start happening with Knuckles. Barry, are you excited? I don't know if I'm excited, because at this point I'm just frustrated. Hmm. I am just over here waiting with bated breath. I need my asthma inhaler. And I will not keep you waiting any longer, because there is no pure form of uh, 
Oxygen than Sonic the Hedgehog mm-hmm. comics. Unfortunately, we're talking about Knuckles the Echidna comics right now, so uh, you might want to get that inhaler right now, Barry. We'll now move on to Knuckles number 21. Jeffrey, Elias, and the team are barely hanging on in the rapids. The rope they're all holding on to snaps, and Heavy and Bomb are sent cascading downstream. Jeffrey freaks out, and Elias says, Hey, bro, listen, just calm down. And he points them to look up and sees a ship overhead. We see Heavy and Bomb still flowing downstream and are nearing a waterfall and basically say, Yeah, we're gonna die. And as they're about to fall, they're saved by Locke catching them with psychic powers. This isn't a complete asshole because we have seen Guardians with psychic powers before, but I digress. Lorelei sees this and asks, How can you do that and still mess up our marriage? Which, you know what? <sighs> uh, always got your eye on the prize, Lorelei. We, we're talking about loss of life here, and this is what you can think about. Shaking my head. Uh, meanwhile, Knuckles is coming too, and the other guardians are saying that Knuckles is not ready to know about Haven, and we should throw him out before he gets his bearings. But, maybe this is fate, and we should reevaluate our priorities. Archimedes, he comes up to Knuckles, and tells him that not everything is as it seems. And Knuckles basically asks, like, why should I trust you with you being so secretive? But then Saber walks up to him and says, hey Knuckles... Calm down. Knuckles says, hey, you look familiar. And he says, yeah, I better look familiar, because I'm your grandfather. And everyone here is your grandfather several generations back. In order, Thunderhawk, Sojourner, Spectre, and Tobor. Now, Barry, keep in mind, Tobor is the one who is uh, the imposter, if I were to put it so slightly. Okay, did he vent? Knuckles got a tip. Okay. So, uh... Now, we are now going to see Knuckles play the first, the real first game of Among Us, because Tobor acts cordially, but says, hey, first chance I get will be the death of you. And Knuckles replies in kind, but also thinking that he should just play along until he figures out what his game is. Knuckles does recognize him as Dark Legionnaire, and walks into the medical bay, where Knuckles sees Hawking on life support. Meanwhile, Locke brings Elias and the team onto his ship on their way to Haven, and Elias being under Locke's care for the past 15 years. Flashback to the original incident of the crash. The Brotherhood found Elias as a baby in the wreck, and the Overlanders land asking about the craft, and demand to investigate the crash as per their neutrality agreement. Tobor says, hey, listen, everyone that was aboard was killed. Uh, There's no need for you to look, just leave. And they do so. And on a side note, uh, the Overlander leader of that squadron looks like Sephiroth with blue hair. I don't know why I wrote that in my notes. I just, I guess I just wanted to share that with you guys. I guess that was really important information. <laughs> Spectre finds Queen Alicia alive, takes her and her baby Elias into Haven. They buried the dead, including Jeffrey's dad. Elias was fine. But Alicia had to be kept in cryostasis due to her not registering any brain activity. However, the whole Guardian raising Elias. And he turned out to be a prodigy. And at the age of 10, they let him wander around the island. Jeffrey uh, asks about the Colonel, which they said was an oversight on their part. He was found by the King's rescue team, but refused to go back and exiled himself on the island. 
As Locke is telling the story, they fly into Haven. Jeffrey freaks out over the firewall, but Locke is like, eh, don't worry about it. Meanwhile, N- uh, Tobor and Knuckles are alone, and Tobor tries to get tries to get the kill on him, but Knuckles was prepared for this, fights back, and identifies him as Moratori, the uh former leader of the of the Dark Legion. He mm-hmm. uses eye beams like Cyclops to attack Knuckles right as Locke is bringing everybody inside. The alarm goes off and he has Elias take everyone to see Saber. Meanwhile, Moratori's run off, Knuckles basically yelling at him to get back here, attacks with multiple eye lasers, almost hits Jeffrey as Knuckles uppercuts him and takes him out clean. The whole brotherhood is seeing this fight like a title prize match, and Spectre is just saying, hey, hold on everybody, not everything is as it seems right now. Knuckles doubles back, runs into Elias and Jeffrey, tells them about Moratori, and then Spectre opens a door and sees a banner on the other side with the word Shinginita on it, which is, quote, an ancient echidna dialect for saying they will all make friends with death. That sounds like some big berries energy right there. Finally. That pricks my ears. Meanwhile, Locke and Laura Lee come down to save Remington from bad weather, as Laura Lee says Knuckles should... Knuckles should at the very least know that his dad is still alive. Back in Haven, though, Elias shows Jeffrey inside a chamber and sees Alicia's cryostasis and saying that despite all the Guardians and their freaky powers, they're unable to wake her up. And Jeffrey says, well, that's unfortunate, but my orders were to bring her back and uh, I got to do what I got to do. And Elias says, hey, wait, I want to go back too." I have a father I'd like to get to know. And that's the end of Knuckles number 21. Barry, did you enjoy that nonsense? Because I sure did. I'm trying to think. Thank you for the offering that you've laid down at my feet. You, you. You're, you're very welcome. We are going to uh, quickly transition into uh, our last comic. Barry, Like we've been breezing through these like real quick. We're just going out of one after the other. Our last comic, Sonic number 68. We open. The Freedom Fighters are in Knothole, wondering if, oh, if Sonic will be back in time for his 16th birthday. Sonic and Tails and Nate are in Mobotropolis, disguised, seeing everyone decorate the city to celebrate, Sonic assumes. We then see a fourth satellite being activated. And meanwhile, on the deserted city of West Robotropolis, Snively, uh, Snively and the villains are having a meeting, wondering what to do about the crystallized forms of Kodos and Arachnids, and as they quickly dissolve into violence, the two figures break free from crystallization and live again. And in Knothole, the Freedom Fighters get a call from the King, saying that someone from your past has returned, and it's time to celebrate. They rush back to Mobotropolis thinking that it's Sonic. Sonic's back. Our good friend is back. But in Mobotropolis, Sonic, Tails, and Nate were watching the decorations come up as someone calls out into the sky and everyone sees meteors falling. Sonic and Tails unmask and help save civilians just as the Freedom Fighters fall in to do the same. And Sonic announces his arrival to his friends by saving Sally from a meteor that was about to fall on top of her head. They come to later find out that the king 
wasn't talking about Sonic. And they go up to the castle with the king saying, well, not to diminish Sonic's accomplishments. We have more important matters to attend to right now. He has the Freedom Fighters to follow him and reveals to them Prince Elias Acorn and Queen Alicia Acorn, who arrived not two days ago. They're all in shock over two people who they, well, one who they thought did not exist and the other who they thought was dead at worst. They're all in shock, but Jeffrey unhoods Nate. And again, he is an overlander, so he immediately accuses him of trying to assassinate King Max, with him saying, no, wait, hold on. This is a man from my childhood. He's good. He's cool. He's welcome. He's, I guess you could say he's one of the good ones, right? You could say that. <laughs> Guys, I keep putting him up for these traps. He's not diving into any of them. Listen, my brain is He's very large. He's a smart large. cookie. I, my brain is very large, and I am not so foolish to fall in for traps. Yeah, his brain is so big from all this Sonic lore. Exactly. Listen, a Albert Einstein got nothing on me. My brain is so... E equals NC squared? Bullshit. Sonic the Hedgehog lore? That's where my brain is at. What the fuck is a Pythagorean theorem? I never needed that in my life. You know what I do need in my life? Sonic lore. Joke's <laughs> on you, high school math. That story all ends in a full page spread of Sonic over his birthday cake. Happy birthday, Sonic. But, uh, we still have one last story to go on. And I'll be real quick. Basically, carrying off from the last story with the wolf pack... They're in a storm, they disembark, and they go into an abandoned house, and they find two overlander children. Them thinking that their parents are not too far off, they try to- well, one of them tries to, uh, seriously harm them, but the leader, Lupe, says, No, stop, don't kill them, that's a kid! And, uh, another overlander child charges in saying, Don't hurt my sister. They're just saying, Hey, wait, calm down, where are your parents? And this girl, by the name of Athena, says that her parents are long gone. As Lupe just takes a step back, just thinking on what to do next. And that's the end of Sonic number 68. And that's the end of all the comics I got for you, Barry. So, what, what thoughts do you have overall on all of these comics that I've just presented to you? Okay, so, it's a very... Very deep lore. A lot going on. All the time. Mm -hmm. We don't stop. We never stop. I think I felt my soul escape my body and transcend to the heavens. To the uh, gold, to the um, to the emeralds in the sky. Did you see Knuckles there? Yeah. In, in heaven, he's the one that has the peanut butter and jelly ass. You know what? <laughs> You know what? I can't I can't disagree with that. I wasn't there. I don't know what you saw. I believe you 100%. Believe all women. Believe all women. Believe most women. So, on believe that note, believe 3.1415926% of women. So, on that note, uh don't I don't want to rush all you guys out of here cuz uh this is a shorter episode, but in all honesty, this was fun. It was a lot of setting up, though. We're getting a lot of, uh, lore. We concluded a lot of good arcs, though. We finished off, uh, uh, Nagus. 
That situation is now done and dusted. Sonic and Tails, they got a new friend. Nate Moore, a new friend, Barry. Who doesn't like new friends? I can't think of a single person. Exactly. Exactly. Despite that, though, we got a lot of situations, a lot of cleaning up to do. On the bright side, Knuckles won the first game of Among Us. He found the Guardian. Unfortunately, he didn't vent, though. Okay, so you're saying that he won the game of Among Us without any vent kills? Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Do you think, um, do you think he'd play ranked? Do you think he'd play in ranked, uh, matches? Uh, see, I don't know about that. How well do you think he would do? Do you think he'd be able to beat, uh, do you think he'd be able to beat Charlie or Corpse? Hmm. See, I don't know about that, because here's the thing. Knuckles won without not only having no vent kills, he had no mm-hmm. no kills, period. This was basically an emergency meeting. They just happened to accuse the right oh, guy. Oh, so was this like an emergency meeting with like a, that went down to a 50-50? Uh, no, not even. Because the, the real person came back and said, hey, this person's the imposter. He replaced me. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I think Knuckles cheated. Is this cheating? I think he cheated. I mean... He still won, so it doesn't change much. True, true, very true. But still, to answer your question, maybe he could try to play ranked, but since he won with such like such a huge advantage, he might have a big head. Here's the thing, the entire point of the game is deception. That that is true. And this imposter did was impo- being the imposter for over 150 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Like, I think Moratori's the real winner of Among Us. Yes, did he? Did he? Like, was he revealed? Was he ejected? Yes, but he w- he ran the game for a hundred and fifty years. That's got to be impressive enough on its own. Yeah, that's got to be at least some kind of a reward. True. Yes, very true. But uh, for now, that concludes this episode of the Archie Sonic Digest and uh, Barry. Uh, if you would like to wrap up, why don't you, uh, plug something? Let people know where they can find you. Okay, so on, on Twitter, I'm at underscore berries and cream. On Instagram, I'm at underscore berries underscore and underscore cream. Um, that's it, I believe, yeah. Excellent. You should all follow her and enjoy her art because she does good work and and you should also congratulate her because she is getting herself a nice shiny tablet. That I bought with just commission money. And hey, you could have been part of that. You could have been part of a nice sale and give a struggling artist a, an upgrade. But uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. On that note, thanks for watching this episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. And uh, we'll see you next time for... Honestly, a very special episode. I know the last episode was a very special episode, but who boy have we got a treat for you. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you next time. See ya.